Kevin, I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and believe it or not, that does apply uh, to the message this morning. As we are in John's Gospel in the 15th chapter, we come to this uh, great passage that Jesus uh, teaches on who he is and, and what uh, growth in him looks like and how to, uh, how to change, how to grow as disciples of Jesus, as his followers and ambassadors in this world. And he uses this great illustration of the vine and branches and bearing fruit. And so that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. The, you may uh, be wondering what this uh, board behind me is with uh, sticky notes, uh, colorful sticky notes all over it. If you were not uh, here with us last Sunday in our gathering, um, every uh, year leading up to Easter, uh, one of the rhythms of our church family is that we um, think of uh, people in our lives, our family members and our friends, our neighbors and coworkers and colleagues that um, need to have a fresh experience of the grace of Jesus to save, to renew, and to restore. And so we love our friends and family members and coworkers, and uh, we love those people that God's placed in our life, and we want nothing more than for his saving and renewing grace to break into their lives. And so we uh, pray for people by name and uh, ask that the Lord would indeed meet with them, especially as we lead up to the celebration of his death and resurrection on Easter. And so last week we, um, we wrote down some names of, uh, of those folks and we, we came up and we um, put them on the board. If you would like to participate in that, there are more sticky notes here and you can do that during our connection time or after our gathering here today and uh, just commit to over the next five, six weeks to pray for these people by name, asking that God would uh, break into their lives with grace that will save and renew. And I invite you to take one of these cards that are up front here as well and to place that in a spot where you uh, can see uh, on a daily basis, just as a reminder of this commitment to pray for them and to fast for them. And uh, so I've folded mine up and I've got mine underneath my computer monitor, something I see every day, and as a reminder to be in prayer, asking the Lord to, uh, to meet these people that, uh, that we love and know and want to experience God's grace. And so if you're, uh, if you're at John chapter 15, we're going to read um, the first 11 verses of John chapter 15. We're going to be in this passage, this exact passage, for two weeks, actually. John chapter 15. I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, 
You'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is God's word. I have a confession to make uh, to you this morning. I am one of those freaks who takes some weird pleasure in trying to run up an escalator that's going down. Anyone else? Anyone done it? Come on. Yeah, there's something satisfying about, about going against the flow and making it all the way up to the second floor against, against the grain. In fact, uh, Matt and I were uh, traveling to Burundi recently, and uh, we had a stopover in Amsterdam airport uh, for like six hours, and Matt was kind of like vegged out on the, tra- the chair, and so I went for a walk, and, and I got to one of those long walkways in the airport, you know, and, and I, I ran against the flow, and uh, there's just something, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's satisfying to actually make it to the other side, um, but when you're trying to go up, but the escalator is going down, this is the thought here, that I want, the picture that I want us to, to come. When you're trying to go up, but the escalator is going down, in order to make progress, you've got to do a lot of work. But in order to lose ground, all you have to do is nothing. Right? If you're in the middle of an escalator and you want to go up, but it's going down, all you have to do to lose ground is nothing. All you have to do for things to go bad is nothing. And, and, and here's the truth, I think. Life is a down escalator. Life is a down escalator. All you have to do for things to fall apart is nothing. Think of your car. If you want your car to fall apart, all you have to do is, is nothing. Don't service it. Don't take care of it. If you want your house to fall apart, if you want your body to fall apart, all you have to do is nothing. Some of you have played musical instruments, and you haven't picked up that instrument in years. And the reason you won't pick it up now is because your skills have degraded to the point where you're going to embarrass yourself. I used to be really good at math. I, had a, I even have a university degree in mathematics. And I have, it's been a long time since I've uh, taken the integral of a function or taken the derivative of a function. And I'm not even sure I could do it anymore because without practice, without keeping those skills sharp... They degrade over time. So how do you make progress in your character? How do you make progress? How do you grow in your character? What your character is? Someone has said your character is who you are when no one's looking. When you're not on, right? When when, When no one's watching, how generous are you? When no one's watching, how honest are you? When, when no one's watching, how joyful are you? How peaceful are you? And the reality is, is that for, for most of us, time just pulls us down in our character as well. And so, you know, we even talk about, you know, he's just a young idealist, but I'm an old cynic, right? Life has a, a way of making you harder and more cynical. You get harder over time. And so we all know that we need to grow in our character, but it feels like the cards are stacked against us, that life is a down elevator. For us to to actually degrade in our character, all we have to do is nothing. And we may think, well, okay, then what we need to do to grow in our character 
is if the escalator is going down, well, we better run twice as fast. We better work twice as hard in order to make progress in our character. But that's not what Jesus teaches in this great passage of growth. In this passage, he says that if you are connected to him, that if you're in a living relationship with Jesus, that growth in your character is not only possible, it's inevitable. That if you're connected to Jesus in a, in a living relationship, that growth is not only possible, it's inevitable. And he, there's really two pieces to this, uh, to the, the, the metaphor of the vine and the branches that he gives. One, one big aspect of it is this whole aspect of pruning to bear fruit. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the pruning aspect and the father as the gardener next week and why he prunes and how he prunes, all those kinds of things. Today, we're going to talk about um, this whole idea of remaining, remain in me, or some translations say abide in me. What is it, what's, what's that all about and how do, does that relate to our growth and our bearing of fruit? The fruit here in this metaphor is a fruit of character. The, the, the scriptures talk about fruit of the Spirit in uh, Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These, this character of that, that, the, that being in relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, he, he bears fruit. He brings this fruit, this change in our character about in our lives. So to understand this, we need to talk about the relationship, and we need to understand the relationship of vines and branches. What we're gonna, that's our first thought this morning, the relationship between vines and branches. Now, a branch is joined to the stem, right? Now, when it, and when a branch is joined to the stem, the life of the stem gets to the branch, flows from the stem, through the stem, to the branch. Now, you can cut off a branch, and the vine, the stem, will still live, but the branch will die. There's, there is a life source in the vine that, is, that transcends the branch itself. That you can cut off the branch, the branch will die, but the stem, the, the vine, will live. The branch is, the, is, is getting the water and the nutrients from the soil through... The vine, the vine is bringing that those things necessary for life and growth to the branch. And Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And really, growth is the essence of that relationship between a stem and a branch. And, and what I want us to see this morning is that this uh, relationship that Jesus is describing is a relationship that's incredibly intimate, more intimate than that of a relationship between an employer and an employee, between a teacher and a student, between a parent or a child, even more intimate than a husband and a wife. That all of those kinds of relationships, employee, em, employer, student, teacher, husband, wife, child, parent, all of those relationships, there's a tremendous amount of influence that's possible. There's a, there's a tremendous amount of influence on the nature of that person through that relationship. And yet Jesus is, is saying more than that, that he's influencing our nature. He's, saying, he's really saying he's, what he's doing is he's entering our, na- our nature. 
In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul teaches us that we're united to Jesus. There is this vital connection, this union between Jesus and his people. Earlier in this uh, teaching, Jesus has said that he's going to send the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will live among you, but he will live in you. That he is going to live, take up residence in your heart. And so this, this relationship, this connection between a vine and a branch is really the participation of God's nature into our nature in order to bring life and to bring transformation, to bring fruit. Look at this great passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, it, the Apostle Peter says, His, God's divine power, has granted to us all things that are necessary, that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory, that's Jesus, glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature or participants in the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption or the decay or the down escalator that's in this world because of sinful desire. You become, that through Jesus, you become a participant in the divine nature. You become united to Jesus. You're a participant in the Trinity. This great, mysterious relationship of love you're not you're not just a bystander you're not just sitting over kind of like cheering the godhead on from a distance no you're a participant in it you're you're caught up into this you're united to jesus in the same way that a branch is united to a vine so that the life that 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 is in god can flow into you through Jesus and through that connection that you have with him. And it's only by participating in the very life of God, by being grafted into the vine of Jesus, that you can escape the down escalator of this world on your character. You see, Christianity is not just a set of beliefs. Christianity is not just set a, a set of ethics or moral behaviors, a list of do's and don'ts. Or Christianity is not even just a mystical experience. No, it is a change of heart, being joined to Jesus, being united to Jesus. We call it being born again, regenerated. It means having your heart uprooted and replanted, grafted onto a new vine in a new soil, so that the very life of heaven is now your life. So the power generator for our growth is our union with Jesus. And so the way to, to, to get up the escalator isn't to double your efforts, isn't to run harder and faster and try more and more and more. The power generator for getting up the down escalator is being connected to the life source. And what that actually does is it turns the escalator around. And it becomes an up escalator. So that growth in your character is not only possible, it's inevitable. Because when a branch is connected to a vine... It will inevitably bear fruit. Eventually, spring and summer will come and there will be fruit on the vine. Eventually, it will happen. 
The power generator, though, for this growth is our union with Jesus. Try all you want, but if you're not united to Jesus, you won't bear fruit. You won't change. You won't have this fruit in your life. But if you are connected to Jesus, his life will flow by the Holy Spirit into your lives. This means we need to give up small ambitions in our lives. Some of us have been living with things in our lives that, uh, that we shouldn't because we've given up trying to change. There's things in our lives that are hurting you and they're hurting other people. But you've given up trying to change because you think it's not possible. You notice in this passage, Jesus says, he talks about prayer, right? He's like, ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Ask for whatever. This is, what is he talking? He's talking about fruit. He's talking about fruit. Are you anxious and do you want peace? Are you despairing and you want new joy? Are you bitter and you want to become a forgiving person? Ask for it. Ask for it. For some of us, our ambitions for ourselves are too low. What could be so ingrained in you that the life of Christ could not change? You say, well, that's just who I am. What, what could be in you so strong that the life of the Son of God, Jesus, couldn't change? What kind of fruit do you want? Do you want more love? Do you want more joy? Do you want more peace? Do you want more patience? Do you want more kindness? Ask. Ask. Don't settle for too less, too low. Don't have such small ambitions for yourself. And don't write other people off. Ah, they'll never change. Yeah, they'll never change. True. Apart from Jesus, apart from this connection to Jesus, what we find in in people is that um, generally people become more like themselves as they age. So if they're kind of bitter, by the time they're 80, they're really bitter. Right? If, they're, if you're a little bit uh, of a worrier, eventually you'll be a, become a great worrier. But if the life of Christ, if they get you grafted into the vine, the life of Christ it begins to flow, change is possible. And so don't, we can't write people off. Next idea that we need to understand. So not just the relationship of, of, of the branch and the vine, that the, the life of God is meant to flow through Jesus into you because you're connected to Jesus. We're not, we're not just you know, applauding him from a distance. We're united to Jesus. We're in Christ, the New Testament keeps saying. We need to understand that relationship. We're not just admiring Jesus from a distance. We're united to him. We're in him. When the Father sees you, he sees Jesus. Your, your life, Christ is your life now. Second thing, though, know, is Jesus keeps saying, remain in me, remain in me, abide in me. I'm going to use those words probably interdependently or interchangeably today. How do we grow? How, how does that happen? How does the life of Jesus transform our character? How do we actually what, what, what do we actually have to do in order for that to happen? How do we grow? You know, while well, this passage teaches that we grow because God does something, 
the pruning. We're going to talk about that next week. But Jesus is also pretty clear that we grow when we do something, that is, we remain in him. Right? We read this. He says it over and over again. Verse 4, remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If the man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. He will. It's inevitable if he remains in the vine. So what does it mean to remain? Well, to, be, to remain or to abide, to abide in Christ means to depend on Christ. To stay, to take up residence, to not cut yourself off, to depend on him. But he, gives, he gets a little more specific in verse 7. You see verse 7, he says, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, so he's talking about his words remaining in you. And then verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So the remaining in Jesus, abiding in Christ, involves his words remaining in you, and you remaining in his love. Are you frustrated today with your lack of growth? Are you... Frustrated that you're still bitter or anxious or greedy. And so today we want to draw out the life of Christ. Draw out the life of Jesus by his words remaining in us and by us remaining in his love. So first of all, his words remaining in us. You know, there's, there's different ways you can read the scripture. You can read the scripture for, you know, trying to get a little bit of inspiration. Trying to get, you know, peace, love, and groovy vibes. You can uh, read the, the, the scripture trying to get doctrinal information, right? Trying to get a set of beliefs that make sense. That's not quite what it means to have his words remain in you. Colossians 3.16, Paul exhorts us to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's talking about the picture there is like, of, like digesting the word. Using the, the word of God and, and, and looking at yourself through the lens of the word of God and looking at everything else in this world through the lens of his word. And it's, and it's allowing it to become part of who you are, digesting it, meditating on it, reflecting on it, applying it, memorizing it, studying it. Let it dwell in you richly, his word. And so maybe in your workplace, there's a lot of job insecurity and everyone's thinking, oh, I don't know if we're going to have a job next week. And you say to yourself, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. The Father looks after them and he loves you even more than he loves them and he's going to look after you. It's the word dwelling in you, remaining in his word. Guys, you're in the locker room and all the other guys are start ragging on their wives and putting them down. And you say, love your wife as Christ loved the church. He who loves his wife loves himself. The word of Christ dwelling in you richly. Maybe you're ashamed because you gossiped again. And you remember, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. This reflecting, this meditation, this memorization, this study, making this part of the way, making it the way I breathe and think and live and see myself all through this. So if his words are going to, if you're going to, if his word is going to remain in you and abide in you, if the word of Christ is going to dwell in you richly, you need to read it. You need to read it. You need to listen to it. You need to come under its proclamation weekly. So have a plan. The March reading plan is in, the, in, in your bullet, your program as you came in. Take that. If you haven't started this year, that's fine. Just take it and allow the, the word of God to become part of your daily routine. You need to schedule it in or else everything else will schedule it out. But take it in. You need to read it. Take it. Put it on and get the Bible app and listen to it. You can download audio recordings for free on your phone. So you're driving. You can listen to God's word being read. Do you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Make a goal to memorize a, a passage of scripture. Are you, are you struggling with fear? Memorize Psalm 46. Many of us did that in 2015, right? The Lord, God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Right? Remember, many of us, those words are there because we memorize them. And they're there, they're dwelling in us richly. Treasure them up in your heart. The psalmist says, your word was like, was like honey to me, and so I ate them up. Eat it up. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You won't grow unless his word is dwelling in you richly. Unless you're speaking with him. Right? If you're not in relationship. Like the, the, the vital part of relationship is communication. Two-way communication. Let him speak to you through his word. What does it mean to, to remain in his love? What does it mean to remain and abide in his love? A Christian, friends, a Christian is someone who's put their faith in Jesus, right? As their savior. To say that Jesus has lived the life I should have lived. And even though he, he's lived this perfect life, he died the death I deserve. That my sins have earned for me condemnation and separation from God. But Jesus took that on him for me he's taken my separation from god he's taken the punishment of my sin and and now i trust in that and i've been trying to prove myself my whole life and i've been trying to make myself you know look good and and i've been trying to to earn the approval of other people and earn the approval of god but i'm giving up on that and just trusting in Jesus to do that for me now. That's, that's how you become a Christian. And the moment that you trust in Jesus, all of your sins are wiped out. All of your past sins, all of the sins of today, and all of your future sins are wiped out. You are totally loved and accepted and adopted as a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so it doesn't matter if you've been a good little boy or girl today because Jesus was the good boy for you and he's paid the penalty for your sins. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We don't have to earn it anymore. It's all of grace. And so God loves us and accepts us not because of how we've behaved and performed, but because of how Jesus has performed for us. And so what we, we need to understand here this morning is that we don't grow in how much God loves us. 
God's love for you doesn't grow over time. He loves you perfectly and fully and completely the moment you trust Christ. You are totally accepted, totally forgiven, all the way. He doesn't love you more on the days in which you were good than on the days in which you've been bad. He doesn't, your lo- his love for you doesn't grow. The vine's life doesn't grow, but the branch's awareness of it does. Our appreciation for his love grows. Our enjoyment of his love grows. Our depending on his love for us ought to grow over time. And so he loves you fully and completely. But our understanding, our comprehension of just how long and high and wide and deep is the love of Christ can grow over time. So what does it mean to remain, to depend, to abide in his love? You're struggling with jealousy. When you're struggling with jealousy and you look at someone and they have the things that you want or the relationships that you want or the situation in life that you want and you say, I'm to depend on his love saying, what I'm not seeing right now is that I actually have the only love that really matters in my life. Maybe you're struggling with fear and you need to understand that you've been trying, searching and to find security in something else other than the love who gives you all the security that you need. Maybe you're not a generous person. You're not giving financially to the poor and for the cause of the mission of Christ. Maybe you can't handle criticism without getting defensive. To remain in his love is to say, I am a son of the king. I am a daughter of the king. My father loves me with a great love. My father is causing all things to work together for my good. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's giving me an inheritance that will never spoil or fade or pass away. He crowns me with his love. He's given me a family to belong to. He supplied all my needs in Christ. He's going to lead me. He's, gonna, he's begun a good work in me and he's going to complete it. He's committed to me. He's adopted me. That's living in his love. Depending more and more on his love. What can separate me from the love of Christ? Nothing will ever be able to separate me from the love of Christ. That's depending on his love more and more. So we've talked about this relationship, this union, this grafting in to the vine. We've talked about remaining in this, remaining in that connection through his word abiding in us and us remaining in his his love. But I want to just end with um, a word about seasons of life. Because Jesus talks about a branch that does not bear fruit is going to be cut off. Right? And this, there's, a, there's a, a sense of warning there. I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week as well. There's a warning there that if you're not bearing fruit, that branch is going to be cut off. We'll talk about what that means. 
But I want us, I want this thought to stay with us too. The fruit doesn't give the branch life, right? A fruit fruit does not give a branch life, but it is evidence of life. Right? A dead branch, you can go and staple pizza to it. Unless you're bearing fruit, you can't be sure you're actually a Christian. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Unless you're bearing fruit, you can't be sure you're a Christian. But if there's no fruit, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Because winter is a season. Winter is a season of life. There are times in your life where you will likely go through when even though the vine is connected to the, the branch is connected to the vine, during hard times, during dry, cold times, you may not see a lot of growth and a lot of fruit. When summer comes, the, you'll bear fruit again. So many of us, or probably all of us, as we drove to this building today, passed some vineyards. And if you were to walk out into those vineyards today, it would be easy. I don't think you saw any fruit. But that doesn't mean that those branches aren't connected to that vine. doesn't mean the, the vine is not alive. It means that we're in a season where we're not bearing fruit. And the vines are not made to bear fruit this season. But when summer comes, they'll bear fruit again. Maybe you've been baptized, you've made a decision, but you've not seen real and lasting growth in your life. This passage is a warning and an eye-opener, hopefully, to say, don't assume that you're connected to the vine if you haven't ever experienced this transforming effect on your character and the fruit of love and joy and peace and all the rest beginning to come up in your lives. But branches, and so branches that bear no fruit in the long run, not in the short term, not in the winter, but in the long run, will be cut off. And Jesus says in in verse 8, he says, um, let's read that together, verse 8, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Fruit doesn't make you a disciple. Faith in Christ does, connects you to the vine. But when you're connected to the vine, the life of the vine will flow into the branches and fruit is inevitable. Fruit doesn't make you a disciple, but shows that you are one. You're showing yourself to be my disciple. And so hard times happen. And not to be growing because of hard times is not wrong. When you're going through a season of life and there's not a lot of growth in your life, It's not wrong to not be growing in some seasons of life. But if you stop seeking God during the winter, you can extend winter. And you can have an extended, extended dry time in your life, a hard time in your life. And so my encouragement to you today is to seek him in the summer and in the winter, and in the fall and in the spring, in every season of life to be abiding in him, to be remaining in his love, and to let his word remain in you, in the summer and in the winter. 
Let his word dwell in you richly. Depend on his love. And if you've never seen fruit in your life, if you've never experienced his life flowing into you, changing you, supernaturally giving you a new love and joy and peace and patience or kindness, you can come today and be grafted into the vine. That invitation to join the the vine, to join the life source, is open to you today. Some of you have been, you know, you can say, yeah, God was working in my life, but that was a, a, a long time ago. You can return today and have this renewing life of Jesus flowing in you through a turning back to him and remaining in his love for you. And so would you pray with me today? So, Father, um, I don't know where everyone... We're all in so many different places, and it's not up to me to know exactly what each individual in this room needs. Because we're in different seasons, we're in different circumstances. Some of us are connected, others of us are not connected to the vine. And so, Father, we're, we're praying, I'm praying for a spirit of revelation and even in this moment, that Holy Spirit, you'd be just revealing to us the Lord Jesus and his beauty, and we'd be attracted to you again, Lord Jesus. So that whether we need to be connected again, or whether we need the life of the vine just to flow through us for the very first time, I pray, Lord, that your love for us would be clear and beautiful. That the good news of who Jesus is and all that he's done for us would bear much fruit in our lives. And so lead us in this, Lord. Speak to us. Help us. Be our life. Some of us, Lord, need to repent of seeking for life in relationships that we know are not the best for us. Some of us need to repent of seeking for security and the accumulation of wealth at the expense of generosity. Some of us need to repent, Lord, of loving things other than you, finding our life in our popularity, finding our life in our success, finding our life in our security, finding our life in our reputations, And we need to return and find that Christ indeed is our life. So Lord, would you you help us, reveal to us, speak to us words of comfort and assurance and also of warning and correction in in these moments and in these days. In Jesus' name I pray.